And now, O Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we do not hear your voice, O God, we ask you to speak to each of us then here in the quietness of our hearts. Amen. Today, as we begin a new calendar year, and as we uh, enter into uh, what's about to be the season after Epiphany, this Wednesday, uh, just as a refresher of your church calendar, this Wednesday is the Epiphany of the Lord. Um, After the 12 days of Christmas, we're still in the Christmas season right now. And then we'll be entering the season after Epiphany, which we will be in until, believe it or not, Lent starts up once again. And so these seasons are so important for us in the life of the church because they help us uh, observe a different sense of time. They help us to slow down and to look at things from God's perspective and not just from the perspective of the numbers on the clock and the date on the calendar. And what we're invited into today is to still be in that awe and that wonder of the Christmas miracle that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And on the Epiphany, we celebrate that the wise, that the wise men or the Magi came to worship the Christ child after a long journey of following a star over Bethlehem, or what we traditionally know as the Bethlehem star. And what we are doing today is embarking on a new series, preparing us for that season after the Epiphany, all about making some good decisions and some resolutions in our li- for our spiritual lives in the year that is ahead. And in this new series, I want you to be very clear, I'm going to use a bunch of terms uh, inter- interchangeably. Some of us may like to set New Year's resolutions where we resolve, this is what we are going to do. We are going to exercise more. We're going to eat better. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We, make a, we resolve to do something. Some of us... Um, and this is more of the vein that I like to be in, set intentions, which is just another way of saying, this is what I hope to do. I'm going to try my best to make these changes in my life. Some of us may be more goal-oriented, and we've got our checklist, and we have got goals we are going to achieve in the year 2021, and we've got them before us. And here's the thing, however you want to approach that, whatever your personality works best for, then please go with that, whether it's goals, whether it's resolutions, whether it's intentions, or if it's something else entirely. But what I would encourage you to do is to take some time over the next few weeks to just ask yourself, what are some changes that I want to make in my life this year? And what we're going to be looking at in this series are some changes that we can make to deepen our relationship with God and to enhance our relationship with him through his body, which is the church. Practical suggestions for growing in our walk with him and in the body of Christ. And it's very significant that today we're starting with John's first chapter. And we've skipped ahead to verse 10, and we're kind of in the middle of his opening poem and his opening prologue. Because before this has happened, uh, because we're already a few days into the new year, we're a few verses into John. But what John has already told us that's not in the printed bulletin before you are the first verses of John's gospel, which was, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was was God. The word there is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Jesus is revealed to us 
through the word of God, which is which are the script, the holy scriptures that we have before us. And what I want first to focus on today are some practical ways to make the, to, to uh, some practical ways for us to make scripture reading, to make feeding on the scriptures a deeper and more meaningful part of our lives. And I just want to ask you ahead of time for this week and in the weeks to come, I'm probably going to suggest something one week, and this day may especially be one of them, that you'll say, uh-uh, preacher, that one is not for me. If you looked at the sermon title today, you know we're going to be talking about poetry and music. So I'm sure some of you are already saying, wait a second, I don't write poetry, I don't read poetry, and I don't sing. Well, we're going to talk about all three of those today. And I, my hope is that before this is over, you will at least think about giving this a chance because it's not about what our hobby. These are not a matter of hobbies. These are a matter of ways that we can grow closer to God and that God can speak more clearly to us. But what we see, first of all, here is that this is all about growing in the word of God through getting to know the word who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And look again with me in verse 14 at this famous verse that echoes throughout the ages. The word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. What, we're, what we see here is that the word is among us, Jesus is among us, and he is revealed to us primarily through the scriptures, primarily through this book that is full of the holy and sacred word of God. And, what we, and, and many of us have probably already made some decisions this year about how to make this word a daily part of our lives. And if you've already decided you want to read through the Bible in a year, that you're going to have a certain time of day that you read the scriptures every day, you may change what you've been doing in 2020. Whatever that, however God leads you, please be sure to follow the leading of the spirit of how uh, you're going to incorporate that reading into your life. But what I want to encourage you to do as well is to really take time to go through the passages of scripture that are poetry and songs. And, and that includes the Psalms, the Proverbs, all of the wisdom literature, the prophets of the Old Testament. And then when you look throughout the New Testament as well, especially in the book of Revelation, you see a lot of singing going on, a lot of songs there. And the reason that this is so important is that so much of our scriptures that we have in written form now, our ancestors learned them through sound. They learned them through listening. Remember in the beginning of Genesis that God spoke creation into being. God didn't write it into being and um, with pen on paper, but he spoke creation. And so it is with, our, with the word of God. It was spoken long before it was written down. And when we read some of these passages, these psalms that are written as, uh, as songs and poetry, the Proverbs and, and the Revelation, all of these passages you'll see on the page, just like when you study poetry, and I apologize in advance for those of you who did not like English literature and did not like poetry or don't like studying poetry now, um, but I just want to encourage you to stick with this for a moment. But when you have poetry on a page, there's a lot of spacing. There's a lot of white space. There's a lot of places where you're supposed to rest. And I want to encourage you to find the poems and the songs of scripture. And when you get to the end of that line, when you get to an end of a line and there's a white space, take a breath and stop and read it again. And then go to the next line and do that again. 
And this will slow down our reading of Scripture. We may not understand everything that we're reading right away, but this is a different way of hearing the Scripture. Read it out loud to yourself as well. Find ways to, uh, to, to speak the words out loud, to hear them differently. And things sound different from when we speak them with our mouths than when we just read them with our eyes. And this is just a little habit that you can do for a couple of minutes every day. Pick a scripture, pick a psalm, pick, pick something that is written in poetic form and just start reading it out loud. And the reason that, one of, that this is so important is not just because of that historical fact I just shared with you, that our ancestors learned it this way and we can too, but also poetry and music are two ways that we capture mystery. Poetry and music allow us to put things into words that we're having trouble explaining. I think any musician can tell you that if you've got uh, if you've got something, some kind of emotion that you're trying to express, that sometimes words are not sufficient. But you can sit at that piano and play some notes that convey a meaning that words can't get through. And with not just with an instrument, but with a voice as well, singing a melody or singing a song. There is so much mystery that we are still unlocking in who Jesus Christ is. And and John's prologue here does exactly that. Look at what he says in verses 10 through 13, where he gets into some of this mystery. Jesus was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. Now, before you, unless you've got your own Bible open, if you're using the, the what's written in your bulletin, this is written like prose, but in most scriptures, this is written as a poem. And every line I just read to you, there would have been a pause after that because John was trying to put into words, and most likely this was put to song as well, the mystery of who Jesus is. And look at the great mystery that's there of who he is, of him, of all of us becoming children of God through his power. This is something that we have to stop and meditate on. And, this, and, and the structure of this passage enables us to do that. If we will embrace the poetry that is here, if we will embrace the mystery that is present. And another thing that we can do, as, we, as I just mentioned, this was written probably originally as a poem and, as a, and put to song. Find some of these places in scripture, the Psalms especially, pick a line and try singing it. And you may say, well, preacher, I don't sing. Well, let me tell you, no, you can sing. Every year I preach a sermon on this topic that God has given everybody a voice to sing. God has given everybody a voice to make melody to him in praise. That's what he gave to us so that we could give our praise back to him. Find some psalms, find some verses in those psalms, and just sing it out loud. Just where, And you may want to do this in the quiet of your car or the quiet of your home, or you may want to form a choir with your family at home. But find a way to try singing some of these truths. Because in the singing, uh, because in the singing we begin to memorize. And in the memorizing, the truth of the word takes root in us. There are countless studies about how music helps us memorize, helps us commit things to memory. And that is why so much of the scripture was learned through music, because people could memorize it that way. People could commit it to memory and then tell it to the generations after them, or rather sing it to the generations after them. And this is your first of your New Year's resolutions, friends, of growing in relationship with Jesus, writing poems 
and singing songs, reading poems and reading God's holy poetry and singing psalms unto him. And you may be sitting here thinking, well, why does this matter? Why does song and why do song and poetry matter? Why do these art forms mean something in how I grow in relationship with Jesus? Well, friends, as in John's as in John's passage here today, what, when we sing about Jesus, when we read about Jesus, when we commit his, the, the word made flesh to our memory, as we start to engage differently with the scriptures, he reveals truth to us. He reveals grace and truth. Look again with me in verse 17. The law indeed was given by, through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. We are bombarded every day with reading material that claims to be truth. We are all searching for what is true. In fact, this part of John's gospel, as a little bit of a foreshadowing of what's to come, this part about truth is going to come back again when Jesus is taken before Pilate in the hours before his execution. And he talks with Pilate about what truth is. So in John's gospel, the first word is about truth and Jesus's last word is about truth. And, the, and in between there is that famous verse where he says to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And what Jesus is setting up for us there that is so, so important is that he is the truth that matters. As verse 18 tells us, he is the one and only son of God, the only way to the father, the only way to salvation, the only way to everything that we need. Jesus is the truth. And if we can get in touch, if we can make part of our daily lives, part of our, um, our very being, the fact that Jesus is Lord of our lives, that Jesus is the truth, that Jesus is the church's one true foundation. On him, everything is founded. If we can live from that place of truth, we will begin to see what is true more easily. There's not a formula to be able to decipher fact from fiction, but it's something that we simply learn. And if we keep Jesus as the truth of our lives, then the rest will begin to fall into place. James Howell, who is a wonderful minister and writer out of North Carolina, wrote this about truth. He said, we live in a culture that cares little for truth. Everything is about what works, what sells, and what seems true. Yet truth matters. Truth is simpler than we might imagine. John the Baptist provides the clue. He simply pointed to Jesus who is the truth. Listen again to this part, friends. Truth is the ground of peace. Truth is the ground of peace. If we really and truly want peace in our hearts, we want peace in our families, peace in our communities, peace in our nation, peace in our world, it begins with centering our lives on the truth that is Jesus Christ. And like John the Baptist, may we be prophets who don't point to self, who don't point to what we need to make our lives better, but instead point to Jesus who makes all things not just better, but all things right. Jesus is the, should be the center of all that we are. And as we study his word, as we sing his word, as we pause in those rests and that white space with the truth of who he is in scripture, he will begin to reveal himself to us in new and mighty ways. 
The, uh, the Avett Brothers are uh, one of my favorite uh, modern folk bands of today, and they take what James Howell says and I think put it in, wonderful, in a wonderful, concise form. They say this, Tell the truth to yourself, and the rest will fall in place. Tell the truth to yourself. Tell Jesus to yourself. Put Jesus at the center of who you are. Put his word and he who is the word made flesh at the center and the rest will fall in place. Let us go into this year, friends, with the intention, the resolution, the goal, whatever word you choose to use this day, knowing that we are going to be a people of peace in the body of Christ because we are grounded in truth. But let us carry that throughout the year through singing songs, through reading poems, and through writing our own songs and our own poetry, trying to convey to the world this good news that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Let us be found when he does come again, ready, waiting, and living out his truth with grace, he who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, the blessed three in one, now and forever. Amen.